Welcome to Spliss, a podcast from the speech, pronunciation, and listening interest section of TESOL International. Spliss provides a space for TESOL professionals to get familiar with the latest trends about all aspects of oral skills and English language teaching. Welcome to the Splice Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Gordon, and we have two very special guests for today's episode, Dr. Veronica Sardegna and Dr. Anna Jarosz, who will talk to us about word stress. Dr. Veronica Sardegna has taught ESL and teacher education courses at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, the University of Texas at Austin, the University of Pittsburgh, and Duquesne University in the United States for about two decades. She conducts research on English pronunciation teaching, intercultural learning, and instructional technology. She's also the recipient of the 2021 Interest Section Service Award for her outstanding service to TESOL. Dr. Anna Jarosz is Assistant Professor in the Department of English, Language, and Applied Linguistics at the University of Łódź in Poland. Her professional interests include pronunciation, teaching, and learning with a focus on individual learner differences, motivation, and strategy use. She's the author of English Pronunciation in L2 Instruction, The Case of Secondary School Learners, and since 2019, she organizes the International Conference on Native and Non-Native Accents. Dr. Sardegna and Dr. Jarosh, welcome to the Splice Podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, and Anna, I would like to start with you. Uh, in this study, you investigated word stress, uh, which is a key aspect in L2 pronunciation, but... Before we talk about the details of your study, could you explain to our listeners why word stress is such an important component in L2 pronunciation and oral communication in general? Oh, yes, of course. Well, well, it's definitely very, very important. Um, it, it's important to teach word stress. Um, to have a successful communication in English, um, learners need to say words um, in a way that others, that their interlocutors can understand. So they have to be intelligible and they also have to be able to understand the words that are spoken to them. So they, they need to have high comprehensibility. Um, in other words, the pronunciation of vocabulary is central to intelligibility. Uh, to be able to pronounce lexical words uh, clearly Learners definitely need to understand the distinction between stressed and unstressed syllables. Um, so they need to know that stressed syllables tend to be longer, louder, higher pitched uh, than unstressed syllables. Different placement of English stress, so misplacement of stress, uh, in fact, can result in difference in meaning or uh, in producing a different part of speech. Let's take the word class. Um, uh, pairs of words such as import, import, export, export, produce, produce. So uh, we end up with, um, if we misplace the, the, the stress, we end up with uh, a different uh, part of uh, speech. Also, when the main stress is not assigned to the correct syllable, um, the rhythm of the speech is uh, distorted and may obscure the meaning of the word. And uh, therefore, it may uh, uh, even affect listeners' ability to recognize the word. So definitely we need to stress that um, incorrect English word stress placement affects non-native speakers' comprehensibility and intelligibility. 
definitely a key aspect in for the development of intelligibility, right? And exactly. Veronica, in your study, uh, you use a technological tool called Euglish. Could you give us more information about this tool and tell us why it is, it is suitable for pronunciation learning? Absolutely. Euglish um, is a fantastic free tool. It's a YouTube-based pronunciation dictionary. Um, students can search for the word as they do in an, any online dictionary, but what they get in return are short video clips of native speakers of English using that word in a real context. So it could be a speech, an academic presentation, an interview, an oral report, a conversation, things like that. In fact, Euglish has more than a hundred million tracks of speakers of different varieties of English. It's amazing. Students can listen for that word um, multiple times with or without captions, pause, go back, go forward, repeat the word after the speaker, and then click on the arrow below the video to listen to another video clip and do the same, pause, rewind, listen again multiple times. They can listen to as many speakers as they want saying the same word in many different varieties of English and in many different contexts. So this makes Euglish an excellent resource for extensive listening because our students can listen to one video clip after another. In our study, we gave our students lists of English polysyllabic words and asked them to listen to those words in Euglish. Essentially, we use Euglish for self-correction, imitation, and practice outside of class. And when we asked them what they thought about the tool, they loved it. They found it useful, helpful, easy to use, and an interesting and accessible form of learning. Mm -hmm. Great. So tell us what you did in your study. What did you investigate and what did you find? Well, perhaps I answer that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, well, because we know, I'm also a teacher myself, um, we know that uh, teachers frequently uh, complain of lack of time for pronunciation practice uh, in uh, the classroom. Uh, also, the syllabi are uh, tight and there's simply no uh, no time than the, um, the criteria, exam criteria, at least for the Polish context. Uh, do not uh, do not include, in fact, any pronunciation uh, features, and they, the pronunciation is not as such so much assessed mm -hmm. um, in uh, oral exams. So, because there is no time, we decided to um, uh, to propose uh, an alternative to classroom instruction. So we um, so we decided to ask Polish teenagers to study word stress on their own. So we, we to do this outside of the classroom in an autonomous way. Uh, so we had um, participants, that, our, the, the, the participants were Polish teenagers. So studying English as a foreign uh, language, uh, they were from a state uh, high school in Poland. Well, in fact, they were my students. Mm -hmm. Uh, they uh, started learning English at the age of five or six, and uh, the level that they represented they, they, when they participated in, in, in our investigation, they were from 16 to 18 years old, and they represented uh, upper intermediate level uh, of English, and uh, they reported, when, when, when they were asked, they reported no prior knowledge of English words stress rules, 
Um, and um, when I talked to them um, and asked about their pronunciation weaknesses and strengths, uh, most of them, in fact, said that they struggled with um, difficult, long polysyllabic words and uh, with with the pronunciation. So um, at this level, at the upper intermediate level, you don't you probably do not expect them to to make too many mistakes related to um, segments to to uh, to the accuracy of uh, of sounds, uh, but uh, to those more difficult difficult uh, words. So what we wanted to um, investigate and uh, to find out was to what extent those uh, learners improved their ability to predict and perceive English word stress uh, after receiving instruction on two word stress rules and practicing those rules autonomously for four weeks. Uh, when I say they received instruction, they received worksheets with um, explanation, explicit instruction, explicit explanation of those rules, and um, also a number of exercises with the key so that they could practice at home and then um, uh, check how well they did. They were given four weeks for practice. And what we found out was that um, some of them improved. Well, in fact, half of the group improved uh, uh, considerably and uh, the other half uh, didn't. Uh, we wanted also to find out uh, if um, how much they were engaged and whether this engagement made any difference. Uh, uh, so whether there was an, any um, relationship between how much they practiced and uh, how much they improved. And uh, we found that those uh, who practiced uh, were the ones who, uh, in fact, uh, improved their um, uh, prediction and uh, perception of uh, word stress. And we know that from uh, the pronunciation trackers, so sort of diaries that we asked them to conduct uh, to um, complete uh, during this period of four of four weeks of practice. So we wanted to know how much they practiced and whether this was um, what uh, co contributed uh, to um, uh, to their improvement. And finally, we, we were also interested in their opinions of uh, on the usefulness of word stress rules that they learned and also on the usefulness of Yuglish uh, for improving English word stress in, uh, in uh, more difficult academic polysyllabic words. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we found out um, was that they really liked this tool this um, internet tool. So they uh, liked and appreciated Yuglish a lot. And um, I must say that even later on, when whenever we, while well, um, during the lessons, whenever we came up with a difficult word, or for example, words that um, a proper name, and we had they they had problems with uh, pronunciation, they immediately said, "Let's check it in Yuglish." <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Great. Uh, Veronica, in this chapter, both of you mentioned that your findings underscored the relevance and the need of combining three key components for pronunciation learning, uh, explicit instruction, increased pronunciation awareness, 
and a focus on form. What pedagogical suggestions or recommendations do you have for teachers to implement these three components in class? Well, let me start by saying that it is what, like Anna just said, we found evidence of learning for the group that put the time and effort to study the rules we taught them. They also reported that they used Yuglish for self-correction and imitation. And when we looked at the things that they said in their um, reflections, they said things like, I can see improvements since we started learning about the rules. Now I can recognize them. While I was listening to the words, I can hear better the stress and things like this. So we do realize that what really happened is that once they started feeling successful at, about, uh, at applying those rules, they continued the practice. That is, their success sustained their motivation to practice, which ultimately led, led them to noticeable improvement with stressing those difficult words. So really what it is, is that those that did what we told them to do and practice the way we told them to practice improved so much, reaching a, an accuracy of 70%, 88% for both rules and skills when they started at, at about 35%. Mm -hmm. So this shows that the three components do work. Explicit instruction through the worksheets, increased awareness by learning the rules and listening to them via Yuglish, and then focus on form where they are really practicing on their own and repeating the words. So the three works. Mm -hmm. And remember, they have only four weeks to practice autonomously without the teacher, without any help. But this takes us to what happened with the other half of the group. There was a half group, half of the student, half of the group did not improve. And this tells, this tells us that something happened. So we looked um, again in depth at their reports and we realized that there were two things that really affected their improvement. One, of course, they didn't do what we told them to do. Some of them reported listening to the videos first, which shows that listening without awareness really does not help because they were really super interested in using the tool and they found that fascinating. Fascinating, So they listened to you know, those words, but then the test didn't show any improvement. And so this reinforces again that the three components must be there, explicit instruction, awareness, and focus on form and in that order. Um, but that the second thing that did not help is their lack of motivation to work on the rules. Clearly the absence of the teacher um, and the presence of failure at the, applying those rules on their own affected their motivation to work and that make them give up trying. So our conclusion is that a classroom instruction or the structure of the classroom may not be absolutely necessary for the students to improve word stress because we have half of the group that could do this absolutely on their own by giving them the tools and the information they needed to apply those rules and then the listening input that would help them do it right. But it might be necessary to support all the students and engage all the students. And also the teacher feedback may not be essential because half of the group didn't need it, but maybe it is necessary to keep students on track um, to help them um, to check their understanding, to reteach if it's necessary, to provide them some form of positive reinforcements, to maintain their motivation, um, to make students responsible for the work because some gave up and didn't do anything. And overall, our conclusion is that, yes, the answer is yes. We need the three components of explicit teaching through guidelines and um, exercises for them to apply them and understand the rules. We need raise awareness to understand what they need to focus on when they do the listening via Yuglish. 
And we need focus on form for them to practice on their own and report that are actually putting the effort to learn um, how to pronounce those words and how to listen for the stress in those words. But maybe there's another component that we need, which is teacher feedback. In this study, we didn't have that component and that absolutely affected half of the group. Very interesting. And Anna, this, is, this study is published in a book that the two of you recently published. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about this book? Uh, yes, exactly. So if you are interested in uh, more details of the study and also um, in uh, those most invaluable uh, insight into what 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 the students said and how they commented on uh, on this uh, experiment and autonomous uh, learning uh, you just have to go um reach for the book simply um the title um of this book published with uh published by springer is theoretical and practical developments in english speech assessment research and training that's a book that is um, a very much um, research-based and research-oriented. Um, it's an edited collection which presents and discusses theoretical, practical, and research developments in English pronunciation. And it aims to establish evidence-based directions and recommendations for best practices in uh, English speech assessment, research, and training. Uh, we are really very proud because the book features leading pronunciation experts from diverse contexts, from countries such as Canada, uh, US, Poland, Spain, Japan, the Czech Republic, Lithuania, Scotland, and Argentina. Uh, it consists of 17 chapters um, that focus on, um, on speech assessment, speech perception, speech production, phonetic training, and uh, the acquisition of phonology in multilinguals. Um, we believe that the book um, will appeal to a large and mixed group of linguists, applied linguists, researchers, but also teachers, also teacher educators, and also students who are interested in uh, English pronunciation, learning assessment, and and uh, training. Um, it's a very um, if you have um, an institutional affiliation, so you can access the book uh, for free online. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a great variety of different topics covered in the book. And I know you have another mm -hmm. book coming up too. Could you tell us a little bit more about this other volume? Yes, I can go ahead and answer that question. We have this upcoming volume. Uh, this also an edited collection of different chapters, um, which is going to be published by Multilingual Matters. Um, and it is expected to be published on March um, 2023, uh, March 31st, sorry, 2023. And it has a completely different focus. The focus is on pronunciation teaching. The title of the book is English Pronunciation Teaching, Theory, Practice, and Research Findings. And this book presents and discusses theoretical and practical perspectives on English pronunciation theory, research, and practice in order to establish teaching priorities, models, and recommendations for best practices in teaching, and also to prepare teachers to teach English pronunciation. So these chapters 
again, were written by experts in pronunciation teaching from different parts of the world. So we're also very proud about this collection. Um, they come from, um, they got from the United States, Canada, France, Poland, Spain, North Macedonia, Sweden, and Finland. It has um, 18 chapters and these 18 chapters disseminate knowledge about theoretical frameworks, explore teachers and learners' beliefs and practices in the classroom and regarding pronunciation instruction. They share empirical findings, um, teaching interventions. And what's important is that it is in many different contexts around the world, ESL, EFL, Lingua Franca, you know, um, and contexts where sometimes it's in the middle of the English as a second and as a foreign language. So um, it's very interesting for, for this, for different teachers. And it also has learners of different ages and language backgrounds. There are four chapters, especially dedicated to teacher educators with lots of valuable recommendations for preparing teachers to teach English pronunciation. So I would say that this is an ideal book for teachers, teacher educators and graduate students because the chapters will inform their teaching practices, but also the book will be very useful for researchers because all the chapters showcase best practices in classroom-based research and conclude with teaching and research implications that might inform future studies. Um, the book, like I said, will be published on March 31st, but if you want to get it now, you can pre-order the book on the multilingual website, and there is a code that gives you a 50% discount. So I would say if you want to take advantage of it, and the code is E-P-T-T-P-R-F-50. E as in end, P as in Peter, double T as in Tom, P again as in Peter, R as in Rose, and F as in fat, and then the number 50. And this promotion will be there until March 31st. So take advantage of it. Perfect. Remember, the book is called Theoretical and Practical Developments in English Speech Assessment, Research and Training. And the upcoming book is, remind me again, the name? English yeah. Pronunciation Teaching, Theory, Practice and Research Findings. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Dr. Sardegna and Dr. Jarosh, thank you for sharing your expertise with our listeners. Please remember to subscribe to the Splice podcast through your favorite podcast platform. Thank you all, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so thank much you. for inviting us. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Splice, a podcast from the Speech, Pronunciation, and Listening Interest section of TESOL International. Please remember to subscribe to Splice through your favorite podcast listening platform. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.